I don't know how many times I've criticized my children for things that I do myself. Or, or, you know, you're in your house and you're like, there will be no yelling in this house. Like literally as I'm yelling, I'm saying there's going to be no yelling in the house. And it's just crazy. Uh, but that is uh, all God will have to do to judge us is to play our own words back to us. And it's particularly uh, haunting to think I'm going to give thousands of sermons throughout my life. And the Lord will be able to say, these are your own words. You knew the truth of God's word. You knew all of these things. You put them before other people. We are turning now to God's word. James chapter 3, the first 12 verses Hear the word of the Lord. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they're guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? Or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we appraise you and thank you that you have spoken to us through your word the word of the scriptures, and above all, through the word of your Son, the express image of the invisible God. And uh, Lord, we thank you that when you speak to us, you speak to us grace and truth. And those are the words that we long to hear. And as we hear your word, would you make us into a people who also speak like you? So we ask for your Holy Spirit to come and apply these words from, from James into each one of our lives and into the life of our community. And Lord, we long to hear from you. In Christ's name, amen. Today, 
we are talking about the topic of the tongue, about being disciplined in the way that we speak. And uh, this passage, great passage from the letter of James, it's right at the heart and the center of the letter. It's almost the climactic middle of the letter. And at the uh, beginning of this passage, James says in verse 2, we all stumble in many ways. And I love the admission of that at the beginning of this, how James acknowledges that all of us have so many things, areas where we need to grow and, and things that need to change in our lives. We all stumble in uh, many ways. And some of you might look at your life and say, wow, there's so many areas where I need to grow and to change. And where do I even start? And can I even make progress in any of them? Well, here in this passage, James says there is one area that if you make progress in this one area, it will pay dividends in your life because verse 2 goes on and says if anyone does not stumble in what he says he is a perfect man able also to bridle his whole body if there's one area of our lives that deserves attention for growth and for change it's in how we speak and so this sermon is an invitation to all of us to say, I'm going to change how I use my tongue, how I talk. And I, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm so grateful to get to preach on this passage, to study this passage, uh, for the Lord to say to me, you're going to preach on this. You're going to talk about this. Because, you know, this passage, of course, is directed at foremost to teachers in the church. You see that there in verse 1. It says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that those who teach will be judged with greater strictness. And if you're a person who's a teacher in the church, if you're a preacher, pastor, uh, you've learned the power of your words. And I, you know, words are in many ways my power. Um, every week I, I get to speak the words of God's truth and speak deeply into people's lives. And I mean, what an incredible uh, privilege to be able to use uh, my words to, to care for people and to love people. But uh, the, in my private life, you know, the people who are close to me know that that same power with words can be not used not only to preach the gospel and to build people up and to worship God, but also to shame and to criticize and to self-justify. So it's amazing that it's in our words we have this power to speak life into people and yet also a power to tear down and to divide. And it's, our words are so incredibly powerful. And, uh, and if there's one thing in our lives that will make the most difference in our relationships, in our work, uh, in our church life, in our marriages, in our parenting, is care with the words that we use. So I'm grateful to get to preach on this passage for myself and also for the good, good of our church. So um, I want to point out three things this morning on the topic of the tongue. And this is what they are, that the tongue is the most important place of change, the most important place that we need change in our life. So it's the most important place of change. But second, it's also the tongue is the most difficult place of change. And so third, the tongue is only changed by the gospel. Three things. The tongue is the most important place of change. It's the most difficult place of change. And so the tongue is only changed 
by the gospel. And uh, James has just powerful things to say to us in this passage. So our first point this morning is the tongue is the most important place of change for us to experience in our lives. Now, I already mentioned in verse 2 that uh, James says, For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. And uh, that word perfect, teleos, is, is a word that means to be complete or to be mature. And so what he's saying is that really if for us to become the people that God has intended us to be, to be mature in our spiritual lives, emotionally and spiritually, uh, relationally mature, that results in how we speak. Your mouth reveals who you are. What comes out of your mouth reveals who you really are. And so why is the tongue so important? Well, uh, James, three things I want to point out from this passage. First, the, the tongue is so important because we will be judged by our words. We will be judged by our words. You know, verse one says that uh, teachers will be judged more harshly. Those who speak and teach use their tongues and uh, using their tongues really impacts other people. And, and uh, John Calvin in his commentary says that this word for teachers is, it's not just pastors who get up and give sermons, but it's really the people who make judgments, especially in the church and the people of God, about people's moral lives. So it's probably more broadly speaking about the elders of the church who kind of oversee the, the morals of the church. And the words we use to judge others, God will use to judge us. As a chilling truth. This is what Calvin says, this truth ought to be carefully observed, that they who are too rigid towards their brethren provoke against themselves the severity of God. If you're rigid and severe, then, then you're provoking rigid. You're going to be judged based on the words that you use with others. And Francis Schaeffer was another uh, writer and Christian thinker from the 20th century. And um, I heard about him saying that, you know, you just imagine that all of us had a, a tape recorder uh, put around our neck that recorded us every time we criticize someone throughout our life. And when it came to time to the day for final judgment, you know, God wouldn't have to even use his own standard to judge us. If he just took our words of criticism of others and says, how did you live up to your own standard, the standard that you applied to other people? Uh, the standard of judgment that we place on other people through our words, it turns out will be a standard that none of us could even live up to. We place on others a standard that we ourselves can't live up to. And, uh, you know, I've seen that, of course, as a parent. I, I don't know if any of you have, who are parents have ever watched old videos. Maybe you got older kids and when your kids were younger. And in the video as a parent, you're like correcting and, and telling your kids what to do. And you think, oh, man, it's just, I hate hearing my own voice just being so critical. And, uh, and I don't know how many times I've criticized my children for things that I do myself. Or, or, you know, you're in your house and you're like, there will be no yelling in this house. Like literally as I'm yelling, I'm saying there's going to be no yelling in the house. I and mean, it's just crazy. Uh, but that is uh, all God will have to do to judge us is to play our own words back to us. And it's particularly uh, haunting to think I'm going to give thousands of sermons throughout my life. And the Lord will be able to say, these are your own words. You knew the truth of God's word. You knew all of these things. You put them before other people. 
And uh, we are judged. The reason why our words are so important is because we're judged by our words. And of course, uh, Jesus too says that we'll be uh, judged based on our words and what comes out of our mouth. This is Matthew 12, 36. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. So the first question, why is the tongue the most important place for change? The first is because we're going to be judged. Our words are the focal point of God's judgment. Okay, the second reason is why our tongue is so important focus for our change is that our words control the rest of our body. This is an interesting point that James makes uh, going back to verse, verse 2 and, and the verses after. He says, for we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, also able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also, though they are so large and are driven by strong winds. They are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So the reason the tongue is the most important place to change is because it affects everything else. It's small, but it's influential. You know, just a little bit in the mouth of a horse turns the whole horse. A rudder, you know, makes the ship move. That's the same with our tongue, the impact that it has on our whole bodies and our whole lives. And so how does the tongue have control over our whole bodies? Well, I, you know, I'm not sure I totally know the answer to that, but I, I heard a study a while ago about anger. And I think, you know, a generation ago, um, psychologists and counselors would, would think of anger more as kind of this pent-up pressure that's within inside of us. And it just needs a release valve somewhere to kind of let it out so that, you know, you don't let out your anger in, a, in an unhealthy way. And so, you know, you can beat a chair or go out in the woods and scream. But I think uh, more recently we found that, that anger is more like a muscle than, you know, some, a release valve. You know, a muscle, the more you use it, the stronger it gets. And so anger might feel in the moment like we've released some pressure. And so we, we feel some comfort from that when we let out our anger. Um, uh, but anger has a deep effect on the whole body. You know, when you say a cutting word to someone, you're really upset with them. You're going to cut into them. You're going to criticize them. You know, your face changes. It might turn red. Your, your, uh, your heart rate goes up. You know, hormones are, are released in your body. And if you do this over and over again, even your brain architecture changes. Your body is physically changing from the way you speak. What comes out of your mouth controls and influences your whole body. Of course, that's not just true about anger. That's true about things like gratitude. It works positively well. I mean, when you speak gratitude, it gives health to your body. Or when you don't speak, you're silent and you hold your tongue. What happens to the rest of your body? Your body's calm. Your body is still. You know, I mean, it's very rare for someone to say, I'm holding my tongue and my body's getting, you know, getting all worked up. No, you're usually sitting still. And so why is the tongue such an important place? Well, for one, it's the focus of God's judgment that, wow, that's important. The second is that by learning discipline with our tongue, we're learning discipline with our whole bodies. But third, 
our, the reason the tongue is so important is because our words have a huge effect on the people around us. Our words have a huge effect on the people around us. You see what James says in, in verse second part of verse five there, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. And this is you know, such an important image that the tongue can start a forest fire. Just one little word. And this is especially true in a church, you know, a church community, a little bit of gossip, a little bit of criticism, a little bit of talking badly about people in church just subtly spreads. It is a cancer into a church community. Our words have a huge impact on the people around, around us. And in a church community, each of us must be vigilant about how we speak about one another. You know, the Ten Commandments, probably the, the one about how we speak about one another is about bearing false witness. And, you know, historically, Christians have said bearing false witness is it's really about the reputation of the people around you and how you, you guard the reputation of the people around you by being careful with your words. And, uh, you know, often what makes us feel most loved in a community is how people speak about us. And how we speak about each other not only affects what we say, but also how we view and see one another. You know, I'm sure it's happened to all of us where we meet someone and say, wow, you know, I just really like that person. I hadn't really talked to them. And I think they're really, you know, and maybe I really enjoyed talking to them. And then you go tell someone like, oh yeah, I met so-and-so. I really, and they say, oh, that person. Well, they're like this and they're like this. And then all of a sudden you have this really great view of, of your impression of them. And then a little bit of criticism now kind of taints your, your vision of them. And then these words, they're, they're carried off and they're spread and they're interpreted and they live in people's minds and then they're quoted. The little fire turns into a forest fire. And so your words, our words, have a huge impact, not just on the, the moment they're said, but on the whole community and the life of our body together. And by the way, you know, this is true not just in the words we speak, it's true on the internet as well. You know, I think all of these instructions about the tongue could be applied to our words on Facebook. A tweet or a Facebook post is a small fire too. Are you setting forest fires online with your words? So our first point is the tongue is the most important place of change because for one, it's the focal point of God's judgment. We're judged by our words. It, our words affect the rest of our body and everything that we do. This, you know, it's like the, the little rudder of the ship. And then lastly, our, our words have such a huge impact on the community around us, the community that we're a part of. That we must be vigilant with our words. But James goes on to point out, and this is our second point, is that not only the tongue is the most important place of change, but also the tongue is the most difficult place of change. It's the hardest thing to change is the way that we speak. And you see what he says in verse 7 there. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. 
this is uh, such a great image. You know, you, you don't really initially think of people taming reptiles and, and sea creatures, but you know, it's true. We, there's snake charmers and there's, uh, um, you know, SeaWorld has orcas, sadly, that are tamed and trained. Humans uh, contain all kinds of animals. And I, you know, I know for me, I have a little dog named, named Poppy who, actually, Poppy is very, uh, pretty submissive, loving dog. I think she's smart too, but I cannot get her to not bark and bark at people when they come over or run out of our, you know, she was always trying to get out of the fenced area in our backyard. And what James is saying is it is way harder to get your tongue to obey than it is to get Poppy to obey. If you can't even get Poppy to obey, good luck with your tongue. And why is it so hard? Why is it so hard to get control of our tongue? Well, what he says in the second part of uh, verse eight is this. It is a restless evil. Our tongue is a restless evil. James says our tongue is like a wild animal. You you picture a wild animal out in the woods, wide-eyed, vigilantly looking around for enemies and predators. Wild animals are anxious. They're aggressive. And that's the restlessness that's constantly creating and calling us to say things that we we don't want to say. And what this passage makes me think of is is, uh, a couple of years ago at the men's retreat, Ray Deck was was teaching the men of our church and he was talking about the, uh, the lizard brain. And the lizard brain is is the brain stem in your, in your brain, the limbic system. And it's in charge of fight, flight, feeding, fear, freezing up, and fornication. And if you, uh, if you ever uh, say or do something, you know, you're a snap at someone, and you say, where did that come from? It just came out of me. It was probably your lizard brain that was talking. It was just, boom, it was just instinctual. And, uh, and it's interesting to me that James compares taming the tongue to taming a reptile. Taming <laughs> You know, a lizard. So many of us feel that, that way about our mouths. Why did I just say that? Why does it just come out of me? The tongue is the most difficult place to, ch- to change. And so there's a tremendous amount of, of attention and care that goes into taming the tongue. And the question is, how do you slow down your tongue? What is the opposite of a restless evil? I think the opposite of a restless evil is a restful soul. Of course, that's a major theme also in the scriptures, you know, Psalm 23, that the Lord makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside still waters. Jesus says, uh, you know, come to me. I'm gentle and lowly of heart and you'll find rest for your souls. Um, and I think one of the, the, the practices that goes into the training of our tongue, the taming of our, of our tongues, is the discipline of silence, of just simply not speaking. I think it's something that's good for all of us to think about. You know, when you're with a group of people and practice, you know, I don't have to talk. I don't have to say the first thing that pops in my mind right when it pops in my mind, every opportunity to talk. And I don't have to express my opinion, especially if someone else is saying something is wrong. It's okay to let something wrong be said and to leave it there. As the Proverbs say, it's the fool who gives full vent to his spirit, just lets everything come out. And, uh, you know, I've probably shared this with you. One of my favorite stories from Dallas Willard, who was a, he's a Christian author and philosopher. And he was the, for a time, he was the chair of philosophy at USC. He's just brilliant man. And he would be teaching some freshman philosophy class at USC. And there'd be some freshman know-it-all who thinks, you know, that Dallas Willard is wrong and that he's right. And so he would often just 
let the freshman say what he thinks and say, you know, I'm not going to, okay, I'll let you have the final word. Even though he could totally tear apart this freshman's arguments, he just lets him speak. And it was the discipline of being silent, the discipline of not having the last word. Another thought about uh, speech that I learned from our our old pastor, Daniel Robbins, uh, he used to say, uh, specifically talking about in marriage, you are responsible for what you say, for what you meant to say, and for what is heard. You know, it happens so much in marriage. We say something and then our spouse reacts to it and you say, well, that's not what I meant to say. I mean, imagine if we gave care to not only the things that we say, not only what we mean to say and what's happening in our heart, but even the care to say, I want to make sure what's heard is right. I'm caring for the other person. All of this is giving a care and attention to our words. And so the tongue, the Bible, you know, James says, is first of all, the most important place for us to experience change because where we're going to be judged, it affects every part of our life and our body and because it has a huge effect on our community. But it's also the most difficult place to change. It's like the taming of a wild animal and uh, hardly anyone can do it. And so how then can we experience that change? And, And that's our final point is that the tongue is ultimately changed by the gospel. The tongue is only changed by the gospel. And I was listening to a, a podcast this, this past week called Against the Rules. And in the season two of, uh, of this podcast, is about every episode is about the theme of coaching. And in one of the episodes, it, it talks about a, the high school, a high school basketball coach who had you know, years and years of winning state championships and going on to feed. He was an incredible coach, but he was really hard on the kids. And in one of his former players was being interviewed, and he said, yeah, I remember when I was on the team, I would just know that you know, I'm going to go run lines. You know, the coach doesn't even need to say it. I already know what he's going to say. So I, you know, save your breath. I'll just go start running my lines. And what he was saying was that that he had internalized the voice of his coach. And so just kind of instinctively, he did what he knew the coach would call him to do because the word of the coach was living inside of him. We all have a word living in our inner life. Um, And that word, that voice that's in our inner life does not just stay there. It comes out. God has made us that way. And Matt Boffey talked about this a few weeks ago about, about anger and how anger is about being our own word. We have our own word. You know, when you get angry and your mind starts turning and arguments and reasons and what you're going to say all starts turning over in your mind is anger is becoming our own word. And what that says um, is that our words, our tongue, speaks the word that's living inside of us. So ultimately, you can't change the words that come out of your mouth until you change the word that is living in your heart. And by the way, this is an immensely important point in our cultural moments. If the main words that are surrounding you and coming into your heart through your ears come from our media, come from our political commentary, and are not coming from the words of Christ, from God's own word. If those words aren't living in you, the words that you are hearing will get internalized into your heart and they will live in you. And this is what James says here in verse 10. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring 
pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. James says, if your heart is salt water, your mouth will not produce fresh water. What comes out of your mouth comes from the spring of your heart. And of course, that's exactly what our Lord says. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You can't change the tongue without changing the heart from which the tongue comes forth. And so what changes the heart? Well, of course, there's only one thing that changes the human heart. It's the gospel. The gospel is a new word. It's a word that's planted in you. It's a word that can be internalized and that, shape, uh, and that shapes you and shapes what comes out of you. The gospel is a message of love and grace and peace and truth in Christ. The gospel says you are accepted in Jesus. You don't have to be anxious about whether you're accepted. You don't have to self-justify. You have a strong and loving father. You, you don't have to fear. You don't have to be vigilant like a wild animal about whether there's uh, predators around that you need to defend yourself from and you feel secure in your father's love. You have been declared righteous by grace, so you don't have to criticize. The gospel gives rest to the restless heart. The restless evil that our tongue is only finds rest in Jesus. Or as Augustine famously put it, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. In many ways, uh, that's what's happening when we worship together. You know, you think about that basketball player. He went to uh, practice every day and he was hearing his coach's voice. And by hearing it over and over, it, be it was internalized into him. And it, it, his, that voice became instinctual to him. His in instinctual, the things that he did, the things he said, the things he reacted in, in basketball came from that word that was living inside of him. We too come here every Sunday and God's word of grace surrounds us and it comes into our bodies through our ears and it lives in us. And the more we hear it, the more we internalize it and the more the gospel becomes our inner voice. And only the gospel has the power to tame the wild animals of our tongues. And so how do we stop the restless evil of the tongue? Do you wrestle your, your tongue like a wild animal? You may have to do some of that. But far more importantly, you have to hear the word of rest in Christ. And when your soul finds rest in him, your tongue will find rest too. So even though the tongue is the most important place of change and the most difficult place of change, it is a change that is given to us only through the word of grace that God speaks to us in love in Christ. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, we, you, we know how restless our hearts are apart from you, how defensive we are, how critical we are, how uh, self-justifying we are. All these things our mouths speak, they come from our hearts. And so we pray you would wash our hearts. You would change our hearts of salt water into fresh water. And uh, we pray that you would shape our community, that you would fill our church with words of grace and love and encouragement, words of truth from your word, um, words of building one another up, 
words of outdoing one another and showing honor and esteeming one another better than ourselves. Give us these words as we hear your word. And we ask this in the name of Christ, the word of the invisible God. In his name we pray. Amen.